Appreciate Brother Billy leading those songs for us and Brother Jordan reading the scripture unto us. Those of us that are members of the Lord's Church, we know the, those scriptures very well that as we try to take the gospel to other individuals, sometimes they might tell us, well, you've almost convinced me to become a child of God, but something seems to be holding them back. We do appreciate everyone being here with us this morning, especially our visitors. If you're already a member of the Church of Christ and you're looking for a church home, we want you to investigate the work that's going on here. Talk to some of our members, especially our elders, about the work uh, and about making plans to become part of our family here. Uh, maybe you're visiting with us and you're not a Christian, you're not a child of God. We want to encourage you to search the scriptures with us to see what God's will is for you to become one of his children. Now we know that the devil has a plan for each and every one of us. And I was just thinking a few moments ago how beautiful it is to be in such a capacity as this, a comfortable building, comfortable pews, lovely folks. We're singing songs, smiles, uh, a lot of friends that are surrounding us. But then I think even of some of the Lord's own congregations, that there are those within those congregations that they decide the Lord's way of worship is not enough. They want to bring in some instrumental music. And, of course, we can study the scripture to see why we don't have instruments here. But some congregations, uh, without even realizing it, they're in a battle with the devil even in the pews this morning. But some make decisions that, you know, they want to change the way that the world is, or pardon me, change the way of the worship service is within the Lord's church. And so they start doing things such as that. But we know that Satan would love to get a hold of each and every individual. In fact, Satan already knows his destiny. We can read about it in the Bible, Matthew 25 and verse 41, where Jesus uh, told those on his left hand, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, uh, to a place called hell, a place prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, the devil knew his destiny even before Jesus mentioned that, and even before Matthew recorded that in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. But you see, the devil wants to take as many people as he can with him to that place called hell. As for the Lord's church and Christians, we want to try to persuade you not to end up in such a place. And the only way that we can persuade you is with the simple and the clear word of God. So this morning, if you think about plans, have you made any plans lately? We know that some young folks are making plans about education. They at least want to get out of this grade and pass to the next grade. Uh, some folks that are in high school, they're thinking about graduation, at least setting school behind them and going on to a career or maybe going on to college. And so they're furthering their education and they're making plans for that as well. They want to benefit themselves in the field of education, learn some kind of career, some kind of skill that they can provide finances for themselves. There may be others, they may be thinking about changing careers. So they're making plans for that as well. You might have some folks that are thinking about dating. And I joke with the fifth graders that I teach in Memphis, they're about 10 or 11 years old, and I say, stay away from the boys till you're 23. And their parents agree with me. They would love for their girls to stay away from the boys until they're 23, until they're old enough to know what life is really about. Because there are a lot of folks out there that deceive them. Uh, and uh, uh, do some other things to them that they wish would not have happened. But you have some, they're thinking about dating. Some folks may even be thinking about marriage. Uh, some folks that are married, let me emphasize that, married, and they may even be thinking about having children, or having a baby to increase their family. Some folks are making plans for that. Some other folks may be making plans about moving to a new location, maybe to another city, another town, it might even be another state, it might even be another country. 
And so you have some folks that are making plans in that direction. But I know each and every one of us, uh, we make plans, uh, perhaps even daily, uh, that we want to lead a more productive life. We want it to be more healthy. We want it to be more happy. We want it to be more holy. And so making plans is nothing strange. But then when we stop to think, there are other folks who want to make plans for us. Kids that are still at home, yes, your parents have plans for you while you're at home and while you're in school. We know that when you're in school, teachers have a plan for you. As I tell my fifth graders, I just want to see you one year. I don't want to see you two years in a row, meaning that they may fail and be with me one more time. But teachers have plans for students. They want them to learn. They want them to grow academically. We know that in the workforce, your employer has a plan for you. So it's nothing unusual for us to make plans for ourselves and then to realize that other folks are making plans for us. But not just parents and teachers and employers. We know God has a plan for each and every individual, all of humanity. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, God will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. We know God has a plan for us, but as I mentioned, even though we're enjoying the comfortable place that we are in this morning, the devil has a plan for us as well. He wants to corrupt you. He wants to lead you into sin. And so where are you in the devil's plan? Some folks in our world, unfortunately many folks in our world, uh, he's got a hold of them. The Bible calls them fools. They're foolish. Psalm 14 verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. If they can look around them and they can see a car, surely someone designed that car. And if they can look around them and see a house, surely someone designed that house. And if they see someone that may have had a leg amputated and replaced with a mechanical leg or a hand, surely someone designed that leg or that hand. But then it seems like they lose all common sense, and if you can have a designer behind all of that, then why not a designer behind this body that we have or the universe that we live in? And so the psalmist would say that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Guess what? They're already on the devil's side and in the devil's plan. But if you think about the devil's plan, Do you believe that there is a God in heaven? Do you believe that the word of God, the Bible, is his word? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only true way to to heaven? Do you believe all of this and yet put off faith and obedience? What I mean is true faith and obedience. Because we have a lot of folks... They believe that, yes, there is a God in heaven, and yes, Jesus Christ is his son, and yes, this Bible is the word of God, and yes, I know I need faith, but they put it off. You see, John records for us in John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, because they knew they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You see, they knew who Jesus Christ was. Not only did they know him, they believed on him. And John tells us that they knew this, they believed this, but they wouldn't confess him. We could connect Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33 with this. Can I be saved by just simply believing that Jesus is the Christ? No, Jesus says you have to confess him. If you confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever therefore will not confess me before men, him will I not confess before my Father which is in heaven. 
Who thinks that they can go to heaven without confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And so Jesus makes it plain. We need to confess him. John makes it plain. There are some that believe on him but will not confess him because they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. So whose side are they on? They're on the devil's side. Now read with me if you would in Acts chapter 26. Here we have the great apostle Paul. And yes, he's in prison, and yes, he's brought to trial, and, and he is defending himself. But I just love the opportunity that Paul has. Here is a so-called criminal on trial before the judge. But he puts a judge on trial, once again, as he would always do in any court case that he's in. He puts the judge on trial, and he convicts the judge of what God's will is, and the judge is the one that has to make a decision. Because Paul knew you could take his life and he would close his eyes to this life and he'd be in the presence of the Lord. And so it wasn't hurting the Apostle Paul. It might be hurting the church not to have such a great individual to help them grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding. But how could they hurt this individual? They might hurt him physically, but they couldn't hurt him spiritually. And so here in Acts chapter 26, I do want to pick up with verse 12. It mentions, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest... And midday, O king, and he's talking to Agrippa, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when they were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice saying unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But arise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which, uh, in the which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Keep in mind, Paul is preaching and he's saying, the Lord's on my side and the Lord continues to deliver me. And that's going to resonate in the mind of Agrippa. He goes on, Jesus telling Paul to open the eyes, open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Notice this, from the power of Satan unto God. So in whose plan are you? You can either be in one or the other, either in Satan's plan or God's plan. But Jesus says he's sending Saul of Tarsus into all the world to turn the people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith in me. Paul says, Whereupon, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. For these things, for these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. And notice this, verse 22, Paul says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to the small and great, saying none other than those things which Moses and the prophets did say should come. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first uh, to rise from the dead and should show light unto the Gentiles. Now pause right here because Paul is laying the groundwork. I'm a minister for Christ. I'm preaching the things that the Old Testament talks about, that Moses and the prophets talk about. And while I'm preaching, I'm being captured by the enemies, if you would, I'm being thrown into prison. When Paul is talking about this here in Acts chapter 26... You see, he had already been stoned and left for dead. They thought they killed this great individual in Acts chapter 14. So I imagine he had scars on his face from the stoning. 
Not only that, in Acts 16, he was beaten with rods and a jailer washed his stripes. So if you could even see the arms of the Apostle Paul, you would see scars. If they could see the back of the Apostle Paul, and keep in mind he already wrote 2 Corinthians, he had 195 stripes on his back from the scourging of the Jews because they didn't like what he preached. So if they could even look at this individual's body, they would see scars all over him. And Paul is saying, the Lord has delivered me from all of these. So Agrippa, what are you going to do now with me in your court? And so Paul wants to make known unto Agrippa that he's on the Lord's side, but Agrippa's not. Whose plan are you in? Is it God's plan or is it Satan's plan? As we notice here in Acts chapter 26, Paul is a prisoner. He's standing before Festus the governor and King Agrippa. The Apostle Paul is defending his actions. This is why I do what I do. This is why I preach why I preach. This is why and how I live the way I live. And so here is Paul defending his actions. And the Apostle Paul also wanted all those that are hearing him to become a Christian just like he is. You see, Paul preached this gospel message this morning already. But I'm just going to emphasize a few more points that we can gather from this lesson. There's three questions that we can answer as we look at this passage this morning. Number one, what does it mean to become a Christian? Paul tried to persuade Agrippa to believe in the sufferings of Christ, to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. No man can be saved without Jesus Christ. No man can be saved without the precious blood that Jesus Christ shed in his death. And so Paul had already quoted passages in the scripture in verse 23 to 27 that we can see here. Paul had already used these words to point out the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. How does someone come to Christ? They have to believe on Christ. Remember Jesus would say, except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, Paul would remind the Corinthians, I preach the gospel unto you. You heard it and you're saved if you continue to stand in it. How that Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verses 1 through 4. You see, in order to become a Christian, that's what Paul is telling Agrippa and Festus and anyone else there. You have to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. The Apostle Paul also wanted to persuade Agrippa to turn away from his sins by repentance. Jesus sent me into the world to preach the gospel is what Paul is saying. Because people are in sin, they're in darkness, and Jesus wants me to turn them away from sin and away from darkness to come to God so that they can have forgiveness of sins. So here's Paul preaching about the faith that's necessary in Jesus Christ our Lord. Here he is preaching about repentance. He's also preaching about obedience. Now, Paul is saying, I'm on the Lord's side, and I'm preaching Jesus, and I'm obedient to him, and I'm obedient to the heavenly vision. And what's Paul pointing out to Agrippa? Not only do you need to have faith and repent, but you also need to be obedient as well. And so we look at this first question, what does it take to become a Christian? Faith and obedience. And we'll go into more detail in a few more minutes as well. A second question that we can notice. <clears throat> Pardon me, what was Agrippa's answer? Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all them that hear me this day, were both not only almost, but altogether such as I am, except for these bonds, except for these chains. Paul is saying, I wish you were just like me. I wish you were a child of God. I wish you were a Christian. But Agrippa's answer was, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So what's going on here behind the scenes? 
Satan has already persuaded Agrippa there is a God. Remember we talked about that a few moments ago. In the devil's plan, where are you in the devil's plan? Satan has persuaded Agrippa that there is a God. His word is true, and Paul said that to Agrippa. Go back with me, if you would, in verse 24 and following in Acts 26. When Festus heard what Paul was saying, he said unto him, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not man, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things before whom I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Paul says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Satan's got a hold of him. He's persuading Agrippa, yes, there's a God, and yes, Jesus is God's son, and, and the Christ was to suffer, and Jesus did suffer. And so Satan's persuading Agrippa, you can go ahead and believe all of that. Just don't obey it right now. And so Agrippa would say, almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. Satan persuaded Agrippa to put off obedience to God and to Jesus Christ. But how does this happen? This happens every Lord's Day. When Mike delivers the invitation at the end of the message, or Billy may talk about it in class, or Jared when he does the devotionals on Wednesday, or, or anyone else that stands in the pulpit, we preach the Word of God, we point out what you need to do in order to be saved, and that Word goes in one ear, sometimes it goes out the other ear. Or as the Bible points out, and, and Brother Billy sung a song a few moments ago about sowing the seed, we can turn back to Luke chapter 8 and verses 11 and 12, it's that parable that Jesus gave, a sower went forth to sow seed. We're very familiar with that parable. Some fell on the wayside, some fell on stony ground, some fell on thorny ground, some fell on good ground. But Jesus wasn't just talking about a seed and a sower and dirt. He was talking about human beings taking the word of God into all the world and, and sowing this word of God in the hearts of mankind. And some would fall by the wayside. And that's what we pick up where we pick up with the devil once again. Jesus said in verse 11, now the parable is this. Here, here's what I'm talking about in this parable. The seed is the word of God. But then he said, those on the wayside, those by the wayside, are they that hear the word. Those that hear, and then cometh the devil and taketh away that word out of their heart. Why does the devil want to do that? Jesus tells us. He takes that word out of their heart, lest they believe and be saved. Satan knows how powerful the gospel is. And Satan knows how powerful the word of God is. And so Satan knows when they hear that word, he wants to get that word out of their heart. Why? Lest they believe and be saved. Why? Because Satan knows he's going to hell and he wants to take as many people with him. And so we talk to folks about the gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord. We also talk to them about what the devil wants to do to them. How the devil wants to destroy their life. How the devil wants to deceive them and to keep them in sin. Notice also the devil's work. If you have your Bibles... <clears throat> Also may even be in our PowerPoint, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verses 3 through 6. Here's Paul preaching. Satan wants to hide the word of God. He wants to blind folks from seeing the word of God. If they even hear it, he wants to try to stop their ears lest that word gets into their heart. And it begins to work in their heart and bring forth faith and obedience. And so Paul said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid in them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, who's that? The devil. If our gospel be hid, it's hid in them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
Paul says, for we preach not ourselves. I'm not going around telling folks, you know, you ought to become uh, a member of Paul's church. I said you ought to be a member of the Lord's church. You ought to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the gospel of the apostle Paul. And so Paul is saying, I'm not preaching myself, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, Satan had a hold of Paul when he was under the Jews' religion. Because as we see here, even in Acts chapter 26, and we didn't read verse 9 through 11, Satan had the, the apostle Paul known as Saul of Tarsus in his hand and in his plan. And he had this man going out and finding Christians known as disciples of Christ before they wore that name, finding these individuals who followed Jesus Christ and put them on trial and had them killed. Watch them die. And the apostle Paul did this with a vengeance, did this with zeal in his heart. And so he would talk about that in Galatians 1 and also in the book of Philippians. But Satan had a hold of Saul of Tarsus. And Paul said, I thought that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He was doing that. But then he realized it was Satan who had a hold of him and not God. And so in Acts chapter 26, when that light shone right about him, and he wanted to know what's going on, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now in Acts 2, or pardon me, Acts 9 and also in Acts 22, he asked that question, what will thou have me to do? Lord, what will thou have me to do? And Jesus told him to go into Damascus and it would be told him what to do. And so the light of the glorious gospel shined into the heart of the Apostle Paul. And in Acts 22:16, he arose and he was baptized, having his sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. So when did his sins get washed away? Not on the road to Damascus, but in Damascus when Ananias preached the gospel unto him. And so Paul is reminding the Corinthians, Satan wants to blind you to the truth. But the truth is very simple. You can read it. You can understand it. You can have faith in Jesus Christ. You can be saved. But the choice is up to you. But the devil doesn't want you to believe any of that. And we'll talk about that in, in a few more moments as well. And so, yes, Satan wants to take that word out of your heart lest you believe and be saved. He wants to blind you to the truth, and I'll show you how that's done in a few more moments as well. He wants to blind you to the truth so that you don't obey it, so that you can be deceived and be lost and be where he is for eternity. Now we looked at a, a couple questions. The third question would be, why do people put off obedience to God when they know the truth? Well, they think they have more time. That's not a new philosophy. It's not a new principle. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, Solomon said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Remember we talked about earlier about having plans. Uh, some folks plan getting their education. They plan on graduating. They plan on going to college. They plan on getting a career. They plan on changing careers. But then sometimes life happens and life ends. Some folks, their life comes to an end. They say goodbye to this life and they go to the next life. Hopefully it's in that beautiful place called paradise for rest until the Lord comes back. And not on the other side where you have torments where they would be unto the judgment day as well. But if we can close our eyes to this life, <clears throat> that's not the end of it. But we'll spend our eternity somewhere. But as you look at some folks, uh, well I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll live on and fact of the matter is we don't know if we're going to be living this evening we don't even know if we're going to be living the next half hour from now God knows but we don't know 
So we can make plans, and if it's the Lord's will, we can carry out those plans. But some folks, they put it off. It's like some that would tell Paul, when I have a more convenient season, I'll call for you, Acts chapter 24. When things are okay and maybe my life is straightened up, then Paul, I'll call for you and you can tell me the gospel one more time and, and then I'll go ahead and obey it. And so they put it off. But we know folks, they think they have more time. Fact of the matter is, we don't know how much more time we have. Some folks, they reason, well, there's another way. Because You know those folks in the Church of Christ that talk about baptism. And some folks say, there's another way. And they go seek out a pastor that will tell them another way. And there are those that talk about Jesus. And we talk about Jesus. But there are some folks in the world that say you can be saved even without this Jewish individual called Jesus. Join the Muslim religion or some of these other religions. And some folks reason there's another way <coughs> that they can follow <coughs> pardon me, in order to be saved. Perhaps it's a more easy or more convenient way to be saved. Think back, if you would, in the Old Testament. This mentality. In 2 Kings chapter 5, in verse 10. But the passage deals with Naaman. He's a captain. He's got great prestige, but he has leprosy. Little maiden tells Naaman, there's a prophet in Jerusalem. Over there in the land of Israel, you can go there and you can be cleansed. Naaman goes to the king. First mistake. King thinks a conspiracy is going on. Maybe a battle is getting ready to take place. Why is this captain of a foreign army coming over here and talking to me? Well, he finds out he's seeking out a prophet named Elisha. And so Elisha hears what's going on, and he has Naaman come to him. But Elisha doesn't go out. Elisha sends a, a messenger of his to go and tell Naaman, go, rip, go uh, dip in the Jordan River seven times, and thy flesh shall come unto thee clean. Go dip in the Jordan River. You'll be clean. Your leprosy will be gone. Naaman happy? No. He's not happy. He's a captain. He's had it all made up in his mind on how he's going to be cleansed. He's the one with the problem. He's the one with the leprosy. He's told, go to Elijah. Elijah will tell you what to do and your leprosy can be cleansed. But in his mind, he thinks there ought to be a lot of pomp and prestige. I'm coming to your country. Something needs to be going on. Elijah needs to come out. Uh, there's no party going on, no celebration going on. The, the Naaman's come over to this land. Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends a messenger. And then he's told to dip in the dirty Jordan River. Now this is what this, this captain is thinking. They wash their cows or their cows get in that water. Their animals get in that water. They take baths in that water. They wash their utensils in that water. That water is filthy and you want me to get in that water and dip seven times? Naaman's thinking no, because he's thinking back in his hometown, Abana and Farfar, these rivers are clean, they're beautiful, why can't I just go back there? You see what he's thinking? I want to be cleansed, but I want to do it my way. And so one of Naaman's uh, servants says, you know, if he'd have told you to do some great thing, you would have done it. But he tells you what to do to be cleansed, why not just do it? So then Naaman's common sense takes over, he goes to the Jordan River, he dips seven times, and he's clean. You know, we ask folks today, <clears throat> if Jesus tells us what to do to be saved, why not obey what he says? But some folks, they think there's another way, another convenient way, maybe another politically correct way, another tolerant way. You folks preach Jesus this way, but in this other denomination, they preach Jesus another way. 
You talk about the Holy Spirit and His work here in the Church of Christ, but there's some other denominations that talk about what the Holy Spirit does over there. Or you talk about the gospel that is filled with these commands, but these other folks say there's no commands at all in the gospel. And so just summing up what Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4, they're preaching another Jesus. These false teachers that come in, they preach another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. And Paul is saying, you know, I'm concerned lest you bear with them lest you be led astray by them. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, but what's going on? Paul had the message that from God that could be delivered unto them to be saved, but he was concerned that they might be led astray by false teaching. And so Paul wrote unto them that there's only one Jesus and one spirit and one gospel. But then as he writes it unto them, he wants to remind them in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, now is the day of salvation, now is that accepted time, now is that day of salvation. You know, sins in your life, get your life right, because today may be the only day that you have. And that's why Paul emphasized that in chapter 6 and verse 2. And so now let's look at something else. Are you in God's plan or are you in the devil's plan? When you look at God's plan, we see that Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's only one. Satan comes along through his ministers and says, you can go to the church of your choice. Now, who said that? Jesus Christ or Satan or Satan's minister? It wasn't Jesus. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, or pardon me, Matthew 15 verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, every plant which my heavenly father had not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the, into the ditch. Is Jesus saying that I don't care about mankind? No, he does care about mankind. He's going to die for mankind, but he's going overboard trying to tell them the simple truth to believe in God, repent and come back to God, prepare for the kingdom of heaven because it's at hand. But the folks, they don't want to believe him. And so by offending the Pharisees, the disciples are saying, Jesus, don't you know you've offended them? Jesus said, leave them alone. The blind lead the blind, and both are going to fall into the ditch. He's doing what he can to prevent them from doing that, but they're making their own choice. You also notice that Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Remember a few moments ago when we talk about this, it'll go in one ear and out the other. Or Satan will blind the eyes of folks and we can have them read this and it's like, no, I can't see that. Read of what Jesus said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But what does Satan's disciples say? He that believeth shall be saved and you can be baptized if you want to. He that believeth shall be saved and baptism is not necessary for salvation. Don't we hear that many times? Ask them where that book, chapter, and verse is. And so where is that plan coming from? Jesus tells us what to do to be saved and it's very simple. But man comes along and they say, baptism not necessary. On Pentecost, they ask Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? I hear religious speakers on the radio all the time. You can't do anything. I'm thinking, where's that book, chapter, and verse? Because every time an apostle was asked what to do, they gave a Bible answer. They gave an inspired answer. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter didn't say, well, you can't do anything at all. No, Peter said, repent. He'd already preached about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But what do we hear some folks saying today? You can't do anything at all to be saved, but say this little prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. We hear that on the radio. Again, where is that scripture? 
Where is that verse where they're told to say this little prayer? But millions of people throughout the world are hearing that message. But Jesus told Peter, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and it's going to speak through your mouth at that time. You don't even have to take any thought for it because he's going to speak through you. And when they were asked what to do, he said, repent and be baptized. But what does our world say? They don't want to hear baptism. Say this little prayer. What also boggles my mind, and just, just put the two together. Didn't our Lord say that I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you want to get to heaven, you have to get by me, my way, my truth. But what do we hear folks say? Repeat after me. So what are they saying? You want to get to heaven? Repeat after me. And then they say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Amen. Where's that verse? It's not in the scriptures. But we can see on the slide, it's very simple. God's plan of salvation, book, chapter, and verse. Man comes along, do this and say this. Where is a book, chapter, verse? So whose plan do we want to follow? A plan that we can read in the scriptures or a plan that's devised by mankind? You see, the consequence is going to be eternal. It's either going to be heaven or it's going to be hell. And so we have to make up our mind in whose plan are we in. The devil has a plan and millions of folks are following that plan. And they're going to spend their eternity with him. But like the Apostle Paul, we persuade men about sin and about the judgment and about life and death. And so we want you to think about that this morning. Whose side are you on? Whose plan are you following? If you're not a Christian and you're not a child of God, just do what Paul wanted Agrippa to do. Believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Repent of your sins. Be obedient to Jesus Christ, which means confessing him with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Being baptized, as we can read over and over and over again in the scriptures. Baptism for remission of sins. Baptism to be added to the body of Christ. That is immersion in water to have our sins washed away by the precious blood of Christ. Or maybe you've already obeyed the gospel and Satan has got a hold of you. The scriptures make it plain in Acts chapter 8. Repent and ask God for forgiveness. You see, that's who can ask for forgiveness, someone who's already a child of God. But in order to have our sins forgiven as a sinner, we have to be baptized into Christ to have our sins washed away. But as a Christian, prayers can be offered up. Repentance can be there for you. Confession can be there. So as you think about your heart this morning and your relationship with Jesus Christ, if we can help you, won't you come while we stand and sing?